0: Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. I wanted to just walk through a few of the things that narcissists do in a divorce. Um, the, The kinds of tricks that they pull. So the big questions are these, how can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Song, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Welcome to today's podcast. Today's topic is going to be how to divorce a narcissist and actually win. I'm Rebecca Zung. I'm top 1% divorce attorney, author of the best-selling books, Negotiate Like You Matter, and Breaking Free, a step-by-step divorce guide. And I've helped thousands of clients go from drama, trauma, and chaos, and step into lives of freedom, possibility, prosperity, and purpose. And today, I'm going to just chat a little bit about what kinds of things that you can do to kind of try to grab that upper hand in your divorce, especially if you're dealing with a narcissist, because, you know, first of all, when you start a divorce, anyone, when anyone starts a divorce, the very first thing that they think about is the fear of the unknown. And, you know, and you're dealing with the things that mean the most to you. Your children, your money, your home, your business All the things that mean the most to you So it's really natural to feel this fear That you're going to lose everything Or you're going to not see your kids Or you're going to lose all your money Or you're going to lose your business Or lose your house or whatever And then there's this other added layer with divorce That is, you know, the the humiliation factor The embarrassment factor you know, the losing of friends, um, the, you know, that the fact that maybe your private life may come out in the open and things will, um, be exposed that you don't necessarily want exposed or, and then there's like the whole added layer of being afraid that maybe you'll be alone for the rest of your life or you'll never find anyone else again, or, um, just dealing with kind of the death of the the picture that you thought you were going to have. I mean, nobody nobody gets married thinking that they're going to end up divorced. I mean, hardly anybody, anyway. I can't maybe people who just go to Vegas and you know, on the whi- on a whim when they're you know drunk or something. But for the most part, people get married with the intention that this is it, this is forever and um you know and a lot of times you know you may see red flags you, you know that the person might be a narcissist but um you're not really sure and especially if they're a covert narcissist um, i've done some videos on this recently if you haven't subscribed to my youtube channel you should definitely do that because i do a lot of little short videos on these kinds of topics to put information out there as well. But, you know, especially if you're dealing with a covert narcissist, because, you know, covert narcissist doesn't have that sort of grandiose, uh, sense of themselves. That's really, uh, easy to spot to the world. I mean, they still have it, but it's, it's much harder to spot, you know, um, an overt narcissist, which is the kind that we all think of, is the one that's telling everybody how great they are all the time. And they're just kind of like, filled with their ego. And and it's just so obvious that they're an egomaniac and and, um, totally driven that way. But a covert narcissist is actually much more stealth and actually way more toxic. And um, You know, I, I've had to deal with covert narcissists in my own life and overt narcissists, but I will tell you that the covert narcissist is actually way more toxic because they appear to be nice in the beginning and then they, um, y- you know, they, they end up sort of being passive aggressive and using gaslighting and all sorts of things. Um to try to make you think that you're crazy. So, and for those of you who don't know what gaslighting is, gaslighting is, um, well, it actually came from a movie. I think it was called Gaslight or something like that from like the, I don't know, the 40s or 50s. And and in that movie, the husband was blowing out the gaslights and the wife would say, oh, wasn't that light just... Just on weren't those lamps just lit? And he would say, "No, um, that's uh, you, you. You're crazy. They they ha- they weren't lit." And and she would say, well, "I swear that they were." And he'd say, nope, nope, they weren't." And and that's that's a tactic that that uh, narcissists use quite a bit, which is. Um, you know, saying things like, oh, we talked about that and you agreed, um, or remember we discussed that and um, and and uh, this was what we had uh, come to the uh, conclusion that we were going to do, I, I'm sorry that you had a misunderstanding about that. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, there's no misunderstanding, or, you know, I know we didn't have that conversation, but honestly, if people – do that to you enough, and over and over and over again, you start to question yourself, you start to doubt yourself, even if you're a really smart person, I mean, it really has, it knows no demographic, you know, these kinds of dysfunction, um, it, it's, you know, I've seen doctors, lawyers, you know, the smartest engineers um, Everybody falls prey to these kinds of things sometimes because, you know, emotion is involved And um, if the person is also telling you how great you are and how much they love you and all in the beginning Which is something that narcissists do They know how to front end load relationships and make it seem like they're the greatest thing in the world and then you spend the rest of the relationship trying to recapture that and trying to figure out how do you get back there right so um that's and and you know the one thing i will say about narcissists is that they um that they they, your your value to them is only in what you can do for them And as your value to them diminishes, so does their behavior toward you. You, They start treating you worse and worse. Uh, And especially if they start figuring out that that you you have their number, that you know what's going on, that you're starting to expose them, Um, they'll start doing all sorts of things uh, to try to minimize you Including um, passive-aggressive behavior and triangulation is a really big one, uh, where they try to gather support from lots and lots of other people, you know, so that they can come back to you and say, "Well, so and so agrees with me that you're crazy," or. Um, if you expose me, then everyone will think you're crazy because everybody thinks that I'm amazing and wonderful and you'll be the only one that thinks that, uh, that I I look terrible or whatever. So, um, and, and especially if they're covert narcissists, they'll play the victim. They'll try to get people to feel sorry for them. They'll make you out to be the villain. So, and, and one of the things that, um, overt and covert narcissists have in common is that they have a total lack of empathy for others, um, at their core beneath their service, they exploit others, you know, so that they can fulfill their need for admiration. One of the words I recently just learned was supply. And that is that narcissists need a certain amount of supply, and meaning that they need to feed that ego. And it has to all come from the external. Because remember, when you're dealing with narcissists, these are the most insecure people on the planet. They have no self-esteem. They have no inner sense of self-worth. So the only thing they get the only sense of value that they get is from the external so you know a lot of times these are the people that you know have to have the 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 name brand or the nicest house or the best car or or they have to have the right friends um you know and and if you no longer uh, are the the right type of friend or they've found somebody who can make them look even better, then you're out of the picture, they'll go to the next one that's, you know, higher up on the food chain and in, in their mind. So, you know, um, they, they need to um, fulfill that ego and um, they definitely don't care about you. Now, some narcissists like, you know, covert narcissists are a little bit better at disguising it and making it seem like they care about you. Um, and, and, you know, an overt narcissist will never apologize. A covert narcissist will apologize if they need to, if it makes it them, you know, if they think that it's going to make them look better or whatever, they know how to, um, strategically use apologies. But, you know, you'll know, you'll, you know in your gut if this person actually cares about you or not. And, um... And so, you know, divorcing this narcissist is extremely, extremely difficult. So when we... We're going to dive into what to do about that narcissist in a divorce, but I wanted to just walk through a few of the things that narcissists do in a divorce, um, the, the kinds of tricks that they pull. And this is, by all means, not an all inclusive list. So I just wanted to kind of pull out the basic things that I see sort of the the common things that you see them uh, doing. So number one is that they want to win at all costs. How they look is everything to them. So if they don't look good, they're like a rabid, crazed, caged animal So they're going to say things like I'm going to take you down I'm going to take the children uh, You're going to be left with nothing uh, You're, you're going to be living on the street um, And, and you know, as a divorce attorney And somebody who's done this work for 20 years I will tell you that that's all a bunch of crap And not to fall prey to those kinds of empty threats that are simply only meant to manipulate you because if you get manipulated, then they have gotten what they wanted because remember, narcissists like to manipulate, that's what they do. I mean, it's honestly, that's the only thing they really know how to do. So, and number two is kind of related to number one because what I said in number one is winning, they want to win at all costs Which is true, they do, but winning isn't really their ultimate goal, Um, not in the way that you think, because winning to the narcissist is really just manipulating you. It's um, messing with you. So the, the second thing that they do is manipulate you for their own personal gain and, um, you know, I mean, like, for example, they'll say things like, um, you have three choices. You know, here's, here's how I'll settle the case, A, B, or C. And you'll say, you'll come back and you'll say, I'll pick A. And they'll go, well, now that's no longer available. Okay. Um, because, it, you know, it's like trying to catch a wave and pin it down. You're never, never going to actually get them to agree to anything because agreeing and settling the case isn't actually what they want. They just want to mess with you. Okay? So, um, and they just want to see you giving in. And even once you give in, then the game changes again. So, so that's number two. Number three is they'll use the court system to make you miserable. So they'll make you spend lots and lots of money, Um, they'll file motion after motion, they'll drag you through the mud, Um, they get you in front of the judge so that they can talk badly about you, things like that. Coming up, more from Rebecca on how to divorce a narcissist and win. On the other hand, if you're dealing with a narcissist, then um, if you want the case to settle amicably, if you want to have a nice resolution, then you have to give the other side incentive to want to come to the table with you and and want to give you what you want. And that incentive is called leverage. Are you struggling with how to negotiate and win? Maybe you're dealing with a personality that's particularly challenging, like a narcissist or other high conflict personality, and you're feeling powerless. Make sure to download my free Win My Negotiation Cheat Sheet at www.WinMyNegotiation.com. Rebecca has interviewed some of the foremost experts on narcissism and toxic relationships. Experts such as Bill Eddy, who is the author of The Five Types of People Who Will Ruin Your Life. You can find his two-part series in our archives. That's the natural reaction. If you're being attacked, you want to respond to that. Right. Right. And And that's a mistake. (laughs) Because with high-conflict people, now you're in the quicksand with them and you're playing their game, and so they're going to win and you're going to lose. And now, back to today's show. And then number four is they will obstruct you from getting information. So you'll have to spend lots and lots of money trying to get them to give you the financial information that they're supposed to provide anyway, Um, or uh, they they just thumb their nose at court orders. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times clients have said to me, how can he or she get away with this? How can they get away with this? Well, you know, think about what it is that you're saying, because there's no police, you know for divorce standing in people's living room right um you know who would be enforcing these orders you know it's not like if somebody violates the court order there's some magical trolls that come out of the wall and force people to do things um the only person that has any power over anyone else is the judge and so the your lawyer's power is only in filing motions or in some states they're called requests for orders or rfos or something like that but filing some sort of um document within the court system that asks for relief and then all people are entitled to hearings and so you have to um you know be given notice opportunity to be heard so i mean unless there's something really egregious where there's like immediate harm irreparable harm you know in those cases you you may not have to have a hearing but for you know 99.9 percent of what you ask for from the court you have to go to a hearing and then both sides have to present evidence and testimony and then the judge decides you know, did this person actually violate the court order? And if they did, okay, maybe I can sanction them or maybe I can, you know, fine them or or do something to them or, you know, maybe it's even throw them in jail or whatever. It just depends on what it is. But, you know, how do they get away with it? Well, they get away with it because until you get them in front of a judge, they're just going to continue to get away with things. Now, one of the things that, I want to tell you about a divorce is, you know, not to get caught up in the day-to-day things. I mean, because, you know, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And, you know, I've had many, many times where people have gotten very depressed, very, felt very low, felt like they've, they're losing because it seems like the other side is just getting to, you know, they're getting away with all kinds of things. They're just doing whatever the heck they want. It's like Thunderdome on the other side. But then by the time you get to trial and you actually have a chance to explain to the judge what's going on so that the judge really has a chance to see who is the one who is, has integrity, who's been behaving, then, um, you know, usually justice is served at that point. I mean, I I won't say that judges never make mistakes, they do, but um, for the most part, You know, judges really do try to see what's actually going on in cases and make the right decisions. So, you know, anyway, going back to number four, the thing that they do is they try to obstruct you from getting any information and eat up time and money so that you will give in. The number five thing that they do is they will never settle. They don't settle by going back and forth between lawyers ever. They might settle in mediation, but only if you've gained enough leverage. And, and so I want to just have a little conversation about leverage because that's a really, really important thing if you're trying to divorce a narcissist is you've got to gain your leverage. And I've had so many people come into my office and say, I don't want to fight. I don't want to spend lots of money uh, and I don't want to fight. Probably everybody who's ever come in my office has said that. Nobody wants to spend... Lots and lots of time and money with the divorce lawyer And I tell people that all the time Straight up I know you don't want to spend a lot of money here I know you don't want to spend a lot of time with me I get it But on the other hand If you're dealing with a narcissist Then um, if you want the case to settle amicably If you want to have a nice resolution Then you have to give the other side incentive to want to come to the table with you and, and want to give you what you want. And that incentive is called leverage. And um, I do a lot of work with people in my group programs and also one-on-one coaching, strategy coaching for negotiation, and um, teaching people uh, how to gain that leverage. And um, it's really, really critical Uh, Because if you're going back and forth between lawyers and you are, um, you know, you send a letter over and you give like 10 different points on how you'll settle the case and then they come back and they say, okay, we'll agree to points one through five, but not points six through 10 or whatever. And then you go, okay, we have an agreement on points one through five. Got it. Okay. So let's go back and we'll do a... um, a, uh, a, a counteroffer for points six, 6 through 10. Well, they're not going to come back and, and say now that they've still agreed to 1 through 5. As it goes back to what I said before, what, that their ultimate goal isn't winning, it's messing with you. So now, they, even though you think that you had an agreement on points 1 through 5, you don't because they changed their mind so you end up eating lots of money on fees going back and forth with these lawyers you know what happens is you know your lawyer writes a letter then it send you know first they have to talk to you about it and then they put together a letter and then they send it over to the other side and then their lawyer has to read it and then that has to go over with, with them And then they put together, you know, whatever their response is going to be. And then it comes back to you again. And, you know, then again, your lawyer has to read it again and has to go over it with you. And, you know, it just costs thousands and thousands of dollars. And unless you're basically on the same page to begin with, um, and you're dealing with two sane, rational, rational people, I hardly ever do I see, you know, settlements in cases with people going back and forth like that. More likely, people will settle in mediation. I've seen probably 80 to 90% of cases settle in mediation where you have the help of a dispute resolution specialist who can guide the two of you together to try to come to a resolution. Um, but you know, again, only if enough leverage has been gained, especially if you're dealing with a narcissist and number six is that they will try to make you look bad in every possible way. So no matter what it is that you're doing, you know, I have a case right now where the husband is, you know, constantly videotaping the wife or or he'll he'll write these emails saying, "You know, I can't believe you said this to me." And when obviously something like that was never said, but he puts it in these um, in, in these uh, correspondence between the two of them so that it makes it look like she said that, you know, um, and so and and you know, it's just all a bunch of lies. But that's what they do. They do that, you know, they, they, <laughs> narcissists are pathological liars. So it's like, you know, how do you know you're lying? Well, your lips are moving, right? So what can you do about it? Um, number one is you got to have a really clear negotiation strategy. You got to do your research, create your leverage, be on the offensive, be sure to be ready for that because if you're just going in blind you will lose, they will take advantage of you they're usually pretty smart people so you've got to have a really, really clear, clear strategy on that. Um, Number two is you're going to want to pick a really strong lawyer. You're going to want to pick a lawyer who knows what he or she is doing and then make sure you trust him or her okay the narcissist is going to try to turn you against your lawyer don't let that happen they' you know remember their goal is to manipulate you so they're going to say your lawyer is just out for money that your lawyer is doesn't have enough time for you or your lawyer is a terrible lawyer and I heard from so-and-so that you know, they got screwed because you they hired that lawyer, whatever, they're going to try to drive a wedge between you and that lawyer because they want you to get away from that person so that they can take their control back over you. So pick a strong lawyer, pick someone who knows what he or she's doing and then trust him or her and don't fall prey back into the manipulation of the narcissist. Um, Another thing that you need to do is start creating those boundaries because, you know, they don't respect boundaries. So you want to make sure that you start working them out of your life. If you have children together, obviously, you know, you're going to have to talk to each other. I would highly suggest that you go back and watch um, my interviews with Bill Eddy, where he talks about the BIF method, brief, informative, friendly, and firm. And I will put links to those. Uh, that, that Those interviews are very, very helpful. It's a two-part interview. Um, the next thing that you're going to want to do is document, document, document. Make darn sure that everything's in writing. Don't put anything in writing that you don't want seen again, by the way, because remember, every writing is a potential trial exhibit. But when you're dealing with a narcissist, they're going to try to twist everything you say and do so whatever you do will either be wrong it won't be good enough it'll be too you know not enough too much whatever so don't try to catch that cloud you know um, or catch that wave and pin it down as I mentioned before Um, it's not going to happen so just give that up instead just document everything This is especially true if you're dealing with kids, but even without that, you're going to want to keep everything in writing as much as possible. If you do have kids, I recommend using an app such as Our Family Wizard or Fair or Talking Parents. There's several of them out there, but make sure you're keeping track of everything either one of you do or say. Don't meet at a Starbucks or whatever because that's what they're going to try to get you to do because, again, they're trying to get control back. So, you know, they're going to want to say, Oh, we, we don't need lawyers. We can just meet, um, because what they're trying to do is manipulate you. Okay. Um, and the last thing that you're definitely going to want to do is keep your cool and keep your emotions in check. The minute you lose your, your cool, they know that they have you. So, and I do have a lot more about all of that in, um, other videos that I've, or uh, other um, podcasts, and I'll put links to those uh, in the show notes as well. But, you know, definitely keep your emotions in check. It is the E in my You Matter method. You know, I have uh, a book called Negotiate Like You Matter, How to Step Up and Win. Um, MATTER is the acronym for how to negotiate, and the E in MATTER is keep your emotions in check. And that's especially, it's true with any negotiation. And and why I call this podcast Negotiate Your Best Life is because, um, you know, we're negotiating with ourselves all day long, not just with other people, but, you know, even with our own selves. So, you know, learning to keep control of your emotions and not that, let them get the best of you is a really good idea, no matter what you're doing. So, um, You know, you're going to want to make sure that you can do that. Um, If you want to make sure that you're going to be prepared, you're going to definitely want to check out my free Crush My Negotiation prep worksheet. I will put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, And you can just go to winmynegotiation.com and grab that. Thanks for listening. And if you guys are dealing with divorcing a narcissist, Just let, you know, know that my heart is with you. I know it's not easy, but just don't give in and don't give up. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Check back next Monday for more inspirational pearls of wisdom. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd love if you would give it a five-star rating and tell me what you liked in a review on iTunes. Also, be sure to grab your winning negotiation cheat sheet at winmynegotiation.com. And remember, today is a perfect day to start negotiating your best life.